Downloads of the show are available at Podomatic.com or the Podomatic mobile app. Hey kids, you are listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, and this show is Fish Out of Agua with Michelle Carlo. Today is Tuesday, May the 15th, 2018, and we're going to open with a song that we think honors New York City and all cities, where the promise of um, having a dream come true is something that some people live for and others die for. Stay tuned. Yes, 
We're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. That was the one and only Stevie Wonder with Living for the City from his Inner Visions album in 1973. That is just such a powerful piece of music, which I think resonates even more listening to it today in 2018 because stuff hasn't changed. People are still fighting the same fights and going over the same ground. And yes, maybe the movements have different names and maybe, yes, we have hashtags now, but the fundamental problems are the same and we're going to keep having them until somehow, somebody, somewhere makes it all stop. And on that lovely note, I'm going to continue with the song, a hopeful song, also from the same era that this week's guest artist handpicked to open his episode. Bye. 
coming to you. You got to move if you want to be ahead. And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn, where you just heard Sly and the Family Stone with You Can Make It If You Try from their Greatest Hits album, Back from the Wayback Machine in 1969. A hopeful song that came out in a time where people were in great despair, not unlike today. But anyway, kids, it's time for us to all get our hopes way back up because it's time now for my favorite part of the show. Whoa, whoa. Welcome to Fish Out of Agua's Guest Artisan Week! Woohoo! Today is different because I'm interviewing someone that I've never met before. So we're going to see how this goes. So please welcome to Fish Out of Agua, everybody, cartoonist Jerry Kraft. Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me on your show. Yeah, this is going to be, well, it will probably be a little awkward for a few minutes, but then I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, literally, I ask people when we first start the interview, how did we meet? And usually it's some funny story about how we met at a show, whether it's a storytelling show or a burlesque show or a reading. But I literally met you like five minutes ago. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Our mutual friend, Eric Vetter, he's the one that recommended <laughs> that recommended you. And I was yes. like, yeah, sure. Because I, I, I like um, mixing it up. Yes. Yeah, he's good for that. Yeah, he's, he's Eric, Eric, Eric's very good. He's a good catalyst. Yeah. Eric Vetter from No Name, shouting out the friends. Woohoo! So, Jerry, uh... Okay, so you're you're a cartoonist. Do you do you work in graphic novels? Do you make uh, comic strips? What's what's your work like? I do a little everything. So um, I do children's books. I do middle grade novels that I actually write and draw. Um, I oh, do so you're an author also? Mm -hmm. Cool. Yep. So most of the stuff, no, nah, you know, it goes back and forth. So um, okay, let's go all the way back. All right. So I started making my comic books. Uh, probably in about the seventh grade with Eric. He had really? his characters, and I had my characters, and every week or two, we'd have, a, like, a new issue. He had his guys, I had mine, 
And that was one of the first where, you know, people in the class were like, hey, when's the next book coming out? When's the next book? And just eight and a half by 11 paper that we'd staple and fold over. And sometimes we'd color them, sometimes not. And um, yeah, so those are kind of my, my first comic books. So you do, so basically what you guys were doing was you were making zines in seventh grade. Right. Okay, so I'm going to assume then that you are a born and raised native New Yorker, Jerry? Yes, so I, I was born in Sydenham Hospital. Actually, nothing that I did growing up is still there. Sydenham Hospital, where I grew up, no longer exists. That's in Harlem. Yeah. Right, and that and that hospital had a really bad reputation. I re, I seem to remember after from me, my first. after you after me. Oh snap! No. Oh no no. <laughs> so where did you grow up? I grew up on 162nd between Edgecombe and Amsterdam, and I spent like the first 30 years of my life in this area. So in the house where I was born, and then I moved up a couple blocks, um, and like right around the corner, 164th Street. And stayed here till I got married and ended up in Connecticut. Wow, artists in Connecticut. Artists in Connecticut. Wow, that's an escape. <laughs> that was an escape. Yeah. So, um, did you come from an artist or educator-oriented family? Did you always know that you wanted to be an artist? Um, I always knew I wanted to be an artist. My dad drew a little bit, but very rarely. I think I saw my mom draw something once or twice, and she's actually very good. Huh. But she never drew. My sister, every once in a while, would draw, but again, it was like Christmas, like once a year, you know. Um, but since the time I was old enough to hold a crayon and not shove it up my nose, like I knew, not that I'll still do that, but I knew that, <laughs> that I, I wanted to be an artist. So were you encouraged as, uh, with, with, your, with your arts, um, with your love for the arts? Did... Oh, absolutely. Uh, my, both my parents really encouraged me until... I told them that I wanted to be an artist as a career. Yes. And then they were scared. Of course. Because scared. because that I think people from our parents' generation, they didn't know grown grown up people that were that were actually artists right. that were functional human beings. Right. I think for a lot of people from our backgrounds and and our parents' backgrounds and generation, artists were susia dirty mm -hmm. artists were on drugs artists didn't pay their rent and artists and if you were a female artist you were a hula no but, well but to, to them um me being an artist for a living meant that they would walk down the street on like west fourth and sixth avenue and see me selling like velvet paintings of bulldogs playing poker ideal you know <laughs> and they thought that i'd be living in their basement till i was 50. so they just had no idea to them they knew the term commercial artist. Mm. That's all anyone knew was the, commercial yeah, artist. Yeah, and that's, that, I don't even think people say that anymore. I think no. they just say graphic designer or art director. Yeah. But yes, commercial, commercial artist. That was, oh, you could be a commercial artist. I have no idea what that means, but okay. Yeah. And then Darren yeah. from Bewitch. Oh my God, Bewitch. That's yeah. right. He worked in he advertising. Was, right. <gasps> I totally and forgot that. And then I ended up working in advertising. Well, you know, advertising is the one profession where people who want to be artists can work and it's Almost. It's close enough to being an artist that you can fool yourself because yeah. you are kind of being creative only within the parameters of the client. And you get to pay your rent. And you get to pay your rent. Yeah. But the, the hard thing is an artist is lucky enough to land a job like this. Then either you throw yourself into the job completely or you try to carve out some time to do what you want to do. Let's, let's backtrack just a tiny bit to, to get back more with your schooling. So you went to parochial school through high school? Um, seventh and eighth grade. Okay. 
and then I took the test for music and art, art and design. Mm, the co-op tests. Yep. Um, and then my parents made me take the test for, I think, Bronx Science. Oh, my God. That's what they did to me, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, God. I think Stuyvesant. I'm not really sure. And then uh, Fieldston. Oh, great. Yep. So I made it into all of them. I went to go to one of the art schools, and my parents were like, nah, I don't think so. Oh, wow. So um, I ended up going to Fieldston in Riverdale. Wow. Now, that Fieldston, for people that don't know, is a very highly regarded private yes. school. It's not a public school. So there's school. tuition. So yes. there's th lots of tuition. So I, I basically went from um, so schools where there, there were like 25 black kids, one Latino kid, and Eric. <laughs> like, so it was that. And then... Um, all of a sudden now, my class is 110, of which 10 of us are black, and that, so it was a huge... Wow. So I grew up here in Washington Heights, but my, some of my friends were like, you know, out in the projects in, um, you know, Willis Avenue and over by Yankee Stadium yeah, yeah, yeah. in South Bronx, so we were just all different kinds of, coming from all different kinds of places, and then... That was some of the first times I had met black kids that really didn't identify being black. Like, they grew up in Riverdale mm -hmm. and, you know, they went to Fire Island and... Wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that whole, the Hampton. Middle class. Yeah. Like, like Cosby's. Yeah. Like, like a Cosby family. Right. Only, um, only without the serial rapist as, as the head of the household. So we would hope. So we would hope, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I, if, if you grow up in what people consider a hood, that type of middle-class lifestyle, which there's no nothing wrong in aspiring to a middle-class lifestyle. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to go to a vacation yeah. at Fire Island? But sometimes people from your neighborhood will say that you're, you know, mm -hmm. that you're not keeping it real because you want to be educated. You're not keeping it real because you're well-spoken. And did you find that you had to be versed in two different types of languages? Oh, yeah. More I mean, or less? For, so every day, catching the 100 boss here on the corner, going all the way up and watching the neighborhoods change from Washington Heights to, you know, Inwood to Riverdale and hopping on the BX-10 and going up through Riverdale and passing all that, it was, yeah, it literally was like Gulliver's Travels where you just keep going to different worlds. Wow. And then it was weird, so being, you know, light-skinned with curly hair here, or straight hair, to, um, you know, being light-skinned with straight hair, so not being black enough for some of the black folks in this area, and then going to the private school and then being like the black kids but like not really right fitting in a hundred percent either place like a fish out of agua, fish out of agua. <laughs> so um when in high school did you still do your art stuff there uh well fieldston had a whole new level of art like serious stuff so like, like, okay so what what blew your mind life drawing with nude models oh my how old were you Jeez, maybe 11th grade. So, so you're like six, 16, 16, 17, 16 so going on 17. And drawing was that, nude models. Was that the first time you had seen the woman naked? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, life drawing, man. Yeah. That's a shock to the and system. And then um, silk screening, which oh. I had never done. That was so cool. Uh, wood shop, print shop, like all these like upper crusty things that I had never been exposed to, but were really serious. Now, I continued 
to um, draw comic books, and then they got more advanced. I actually did for my biology, earth science. Um, I did a comic book uh, as my term paper. She let me do that in uh, and and hand that in for a grade. So that was pretty cool. And then I had a whole bunch of other friends who were like in the comics, and then of course you know kept kept contact with Eric. So we always talked comics and stuff like that. Um, and then started uh, Fieldstone Art Magazine, I think my senior year there. Wow. So so you were you basically the art director of this magazine? Was it the first time this magazine existed? Yes. You time. founded it? Yep. Uh, That's mad friend, cool. Yep. Me and my friend Derek uh, co-founded it. Wow. So what was, it, what was in this uh, magazine? It was just drawings that kids around the school had done, stories, photographs, that kind of thing. Wow. So you curated it because yes. you chose the... Wow. Yes. So you were a curator and a founder of a magazine at the age of 17. That is pretty mad awesome. Never thought of that, but okay. I'll put yeah. that in my resume. Yeah. Did you, you, did you parlay that into going to college? Um, yeah. So when it came time to go to college, my parents were still like, hey, we don't really want that art thing. Mm. And uh, What did they suggest? Well, like my friends were going to Cornell. Okay. You oh, know. Are your parents professionals? My dad worked at the post office 40 years. Okay, so he's a, he's, he's a civil employee. Yep, and my mom always worked for the city, like okay. down in the Chamber Street area, Department of Environmental Protection, places like that. Okay, so their their focus would be security more right. than anything right. else. Like when I got my first yeah. job, my dad was like, good, you got your job, you stay there for 30 years, you get your watch, you retire. Yeah, you get your social security, you get your right. pension. Because the world was, was made like that then. Yes. But at the time when you were about to graduate high school, the world was starting to change. And right. that and the the lifetime job was increasingly becoming a, a thing of the past. Yeah, especially like, my, I have to say, my white counterparts were bred to, you stay at the place two years, and then you get a better job somewhere else. So there was so much bouncing around with co-workers but I still had a lot of my dad's mentality so I literally had three jobs that I did for eight years yeah. each I find that really interesting that you said that like for a, a Caucasian person yes work here get experience move on get more money work here get experience move on make more money but as a person of color you're encouraged to get whatever you can and stay there stay there and stay there because keep your head down. yeah keep your head down then and you stay get there fired. Yeah, yeah yeah and then meanwhile and 10 years later you look and you know, the one that was the secretary is now assistant manager yeah. at blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like, 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 for example, I'm going to use an old example. Uh, the writer Helen Gurley Brown, mm -hmm. she was a secretary who rose to a copywriter and she ended up founding Cosmopolitan magazine. Whatever you think about her and her work, she came from humble beginnings. Right. She was secretary, a copywriter, and then a magazine founder yeah. and publisher. And I think the person of color counterpart would have, once they became a secretary, they probably would have stayed a secretary, or if they got to be a copywriter, they would have not tried to do anything right. else. Right. Or if they, they, if they made it to executive secretary, they'd be set. Yeah, they'd be set. They they'd would say, set. like, how much further can I go? Right. Because there, there's there's no other examples for them to, right. to follow. Absolutely. Wow. Yep. That's some heavy shit, yo. It's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> yeah. So, so at the time when you were graduating high school. Yep. So then um, I really did decide I wanted to be an artist. Mm -hmm. So I kind of you know, put my foot down. And this is in the early 80s? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I went to, they had the college fair at, um, 
in uh, Columbus Circle that they used to always have, and I went down there, and lo and behold, to my surprise, I found that there was this school, a college, where they did art. Which one? It was called School of Visual Arts. Oh, that's where I went. Is it really? Yeah. That, that's where I went. See, I don't. This is what happens when you don't know people. I know. <laughs> So yeah, I went to SVA. We have to talk about SVA. I never took a single cartoon really? class there. I took Harvey Kurtzman. I took, um, oh, what the hell is his Will name? Eisner. Will Eisner. And somebody else who's like famous. I can't think. And I was literally like just about the only girl in, in those classes. I could never get into a cartooning class. Really? Yeah. I don't know what it was. Like the draft. You know, like I was at the end of the line or whatever. I could never get into a cartooning class, so I didn't get Eisner. I didn't get Picard. I didn't get any of those guys. Wow. So I ended up media communications or fine art. Right. Right. So I chose media, yeah. and then it That's was. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. And then you have to choose graphic designer, advertising. Right. I chose advertising, and I ended up ended up majoring as a copywriter. Oh wow. Did you take did you take um, Ron Travisano's class? No, I took Steve Hurst for copywriting okay. and Tony Romeo in that. Tony Romeo. He's oh my, my god. All-time favorite. Oh teacher. my god. Wow. This is cray. This is so amazing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Did you take Marshall Arisman's uh, illustration class? Nope. Did you take Richard Wilde's class? I did take Richard Wilde's class. Okay. You had to take Richard Wilde's. Yeah, class. you had to take Richard Wilde's class. Wild Richard. Yeah. Oh, shouting out so Richard now, Wilde. So now that was interesting because now I went from Fieldston, which was primarily white kids. SVA was white kids, but it was now during the punk rock. Yes. Thing. So now I'm seeing blue spiky hair and and that was just like and piercings and yeah no that was a whole nother thing it was like but there were there were kids of color at the school though they were just like yeah. few and far between yeah but they were my buddy uh eric velasquez um is a renowned uh illustrator in the Wall Street children's book and i think he graduated a year before me and then Ray Billingsley, who does the Curtis comic yes. book, was yes. a few years. I think I knew him. I think that name sounds familiar. And there was this other guy that was in animation. His name was Joe... I can't Horn. remember. Yes! Did you know him? Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Joe Horn. He was so cool. He taught me how to play Donkey Kong. <laughs> in, in, in the cafeteria. In the cafeteria of yeah. all the video games. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, Joe Horn. <laughs> oh my God. When you know... Wow, we have, we have to make sure that he hears this interview. Okay. So you... Right out the gate from when you graduated, did you, you started working in advertising? Yeah, it was weird now because now this was 84. So I had teachers that were, that made you very like, oh, if you can't work at Doyle Dane Burnback or Needham Harper Steers. Or BBDO. Or BBDO. Or uh, Della Firmina Travisano right. and Partners. Right. Or, oh my God, all right. the old school ads. Giant Day. Yeah, Giant Day. Oh, that was that was the Holy Grail, Giant right. Day. If you can't work there, you should just live on the street and yeah. be homeless. And anything that was in the one, sh the one show book. Right. That big black book. Because even J. Walter Thompson was a big one. They were like, oh. So, um, so by then, uh, when I go out, now, all of a sudden, you had the collapse of advertising. Yes, right. The mid-80s was the collapse. The collapse of advertising. Yeah, I graduated. So, lucky me, four years of college, yeah. and the entire industry collapsed. Yeah, by, so eight, now, by 86, that right. whole thing was so, gone. So, now, I would go on job interviews and look across the, you know, sitting next to me, and it's like one of my teachers that was applying for the same job, and I'm like, well, that's not cool. No, right. So, I went on one interview to Gray Advertising, 
And, and that says, didn't have a good reputation no. then either. That that was just like boring right. toilet paper. Right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was great. So they were like, oh. Uh, sorry, not hey, sorry. I, I have a, let me make a call. And it says, hey, uh, so-and-so. Yeah, this is uh, Leslie over at Gray. I have a really young, dynamic copywriter. It's one of the best books I've seen. You know, what advice do you have for him? Oh, he says to get out of the business now while you can. Oh, my God. I'm like, dude. The ink on my diploma is still wet. <laughs> and you're telling me to get out of the business. Um, so I worked at a small place that started with like five of us. And by the end, it was me and my boss, uh, Lewandowski Enterprises. That was like, you know, so I had to do everything. So I would draw, I'd write copy, I wrote radio commercials, TV commercials, print ads, um, billing, invoicing. Wow. I mean, she taught me everything. Now, now my boss did the art directing. So whenever oh. there was something where I needed to draw something, like for a layout. Oh, like illustration. Right. Okay. I would do that. But then she would go and do the photo shoots. Her name is Gerald, and she would do the photo shoots. I would write the copy. So she actually designed, remember Airplane, the movie? Yes. She designed that uh, squiggly airplane. Yeah. Wow. So yeah. basically what you were being trained for, not even knowing it, was to be an entrepreneur, was to, yes. was to, was to run your own business. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I learned everything. I have to go to... And then, you know, it was funny because like some of the, the clients, you know, after a while she's like, hey, uh, why don't you go and meet with them? And I'm like, I'm like a junior writer. Why? But they treated her so badly as a woman. Mm. And I was like, so wait, even as a young black man, you think I have more advantage? And it was weird because I actually did. Yeah. Because you go there and they would, you know, do the guy thing. No, a young black man did have an advantage over a middle-aged woman. Yeah. And At that, that time. was the first yes. I had ever felt I had an advantage over anybody, you know? Because you were considered cool and hip. And those and the people that with whom you were meeting probably wanted to like have some of that cachet rub off on them. Yeah, you know what I mean. They wanted to be down. Yeah, so it was really. It's like no, we have a black. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like really we're weird. not prejudiced. We're we you know we're we're not racist. We have, we work with a black. Right. Like a black or the black. Right. Yeah. He brings our donuts, but still he, he oh, technically oh, works snap, there. Oh snap! Oh snap! No, no, but so it that was the first time where I was I ever thought that I was like that that worked in yeah. my favor. You know, I was like, wow, that's weird. So I would go and start meeting with clients so you, occasionally. So you um, became an account manager, basically. Yeah, kind of, sort of, yeah. Like Darren. No. Wait, was Darren the account manager or was Darren the art director? I don't even remember. It has been a long time since I watched Bewitched. Yeah. Well, his wife did all the work anyway. That, that this is true. Yes, oh, yeah, and no. didn't get any of the credit. No. Okay, so um, how did your career pro progress from there? So I worked there like eight years. And uh, it's finally like, okay, it's time to move on. And then I got a job at a bigger agency. And this one um, had a lot of perfumes, like Heaven Scent, English Leather. Oh, my God. That? So I actually... It's like blast from the past. Yeah. Did they have Anjali? Yeah, it was like you all could those bring home the things. bacon, fry it fry up, up in, in a pan. pan. Yep. Because I'm a woman, <laughs> Anjali. Oh, my God. And um, I actually did the voiceover for an English leather radio. You clip. did? Yeah. Well, we have to look that up. The last minute, the guy, one of the actors, canceled. 
so my boss came over was like, hey, uh, you want to read for, like, really? I guess the black guy, like, hey, we've got a black guy. <laughs> <laughs> we've got one of those. Oh, my God. And, um, you know, I used my Fieldston hooked on phonics so I could read the script. And uh, Fieldston hooked on phonics. It was so Woo! funny because the other black guy was so, like, Boom, 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 boom. Hey, man, you know, there's more. I'm doing, boom, 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 like talking jive. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yes, I use English leather. <laughs> oh, so you were using your announcer voice. Yeah, but they're like, hey, can you, can you be a little bit more playful? Yeah. Oh, God. You know, I mean, not quite, you know. Right. They, they weren't asking to be more urban, were they? Yeah, a, a little bit. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, dude, this is as urban as I get. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I went to Fieldston. <laughs> Excuse me, darling. I went yeah. to Fieldston. <laughs> <laughs> so you, know. you spent, so how many years did you spend in advertising altogether? All right. So I did like eight years with Geraldine, uh, and then I did like maybe two years. And then they lost like all their clients. Mm -hmm. And then, um, so I went back to SBA and um, so they had the placement office. Remember the placement office? Yes. So, um, so I had gotten a job, maybe that the job at McNamara Clapham Klein, that ad agency. And I went back there and I bought the woman flowers, the woman at the placement office. And I said, hey, thank you very much. I got to, you know, because you go in, people are like, yeah, what are you doing back? And I was like, I just want to say thank you. I got the job. And she was like, holy crap, I've been doing this job for 75 years. And no, none of you spoiled brats have ever said thank you. Wow. So I made a special tip. So she was like, wow. So I go back there and um, she says, hey, you know, I have a job. There's a woman looking for an assistant to do a comic book. And I was like, really? Comic book, you say, huh? <clears throat> and um, she says, you know what? I like you. You're the only one I'm going to tell about this job. I'm not even going to post it. That is crazy, because I was just about to ask you, on all the time that you worked in advertising, did you sublimate your, your wanting to do comic strips? How did that come back? And now we know how it came yeah. back. Well, I always drew. So in SVA, I drew for the VASA. Was that the name of the school? Yeah, paper? I think so. Like, yeah. I drew for that. And then I was, I was making... Uh, I had a comic strip. All right, so somewhere in the middle, around that time... There was a newspaper here, the Inwood Citizen, or the Heights Inwood Citizen. So you were still living in Inwood, Washington Heights. You had never uh, yeah, moved from this I neighborhood. I never moved out. Okay. And, oh, that's right. Uh, you were living in your parents' basement until you were 48. So, right. Right. So my dad used to bring home this local newspaper, and it had a comic strip in there that would make me, it would just infuriate me. It was so bad. What was it called? I don't even remember. So my dad would always bring the paper and I'd be like, oh, I hate this. Oh, I hate this. And one day he's like, look, he's in there. You're not. Mm. Shut up. Yeah, and he's like, right. But I'm when like, you're young, you don't want to hear that shit. I'm like, oh, it's like that, huh? <laughs> so I called up the newspaper and I said, hey, I have a comic strip. Can, will you take a look at it? And they were like, sure. So I designed it and I wrote it and drew it. And I went up and met with them. The office is on 181st by the RKL Coliseum. And um, they ran it. So a few Whoa, weeks later... And, and then you, you showed it to your father? A few weeks later, oh. my dad brings the comic strip in. And I open it up and I cover mine. I'm like, yeah, see this one? He's like, yeah. Bam! And what did Pop say? 
Get out of here, you punk. Oh, snap. No, no, snap, no, 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 no. What did he say? No son of mine talks to me like that. Okay. No, he was like... Was he? I bet he was thrilled, honestly. My dad showed thrill in a unique way. Okay. So here, here's my dad. Like, I could paint the 16 chapel, the mm -hmm. 16 ceiling, right? And I'd say, Dad, look, I've spent 45 years doing this for them. And he looked up, you know, the big toe... On the third angel to the left, um, yeah, a little one of those. A little off. You could do, and I, uh, and I just put turpentine and just tear the whole thing down. But you then, had to feel some vindication, though. Oh yeah, but then a friend of mine would tell me that my dad was walking up and down Amsterdam Avenue, handing out the paper, talking about, "Hey, my son's mm. strip is in here." So I would go to like Sea Town, and they'd be like, "Hey, I saw your comic strip." How'd you see it? Your dad showed it to me. Uh-huh. Like, you're the cashier. Why is he... Yeah, he showed everybody. Mm. Like, so he definitely had it. He didn't show it to me... Right. ...the right. way I yeah. wanted. Mm. But I I go insane with <coughs> wanting to be better now, and that has gotten me why I am. But as long as I knew that he was proud, then once I got older, I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, these relationships are so complicated. And I do, do you have kids? I have two sons. Okay. Do, do either of them want to um, be, be artists? Do they have artistic inclinations? Not in the least. Wow. And they, they both draw fairly well. Hmm. They just never draw. Because I never wanted to push them. Right. And um, I thought they'd come around on their own, and they never did. How old are they? 20 and 18. Oh, okay. So they're, yeah, so they're grown. Yeah. But you, you one never knows. But... Um, they did help co-author a book. That's fantastic. So let's um let let's fast forward a little bit. Okay. So um you you did that comic strip okay. for that newspaper, right. and then you did you were working with the com the comic strip lady. So the woman hired SBA. me mm -hmm. because I was the only one that applied for the job. So I'm I call up and said she oh you know because I thought it's like Marvel Comics I'm thinking Spider Man whatever and it was for a girls line called Sweet Sixteen. So I talked to her on the phone. She said, yeah, it's kind of like Archie set in ancient Rome. I was like, oh. Her name is Barbara Slate. I went and met with her. So I drew Archie the whole weekend, had a whole new portfolio, went there, and we headed off, and she hired me, and I worked for her for like three years. Um, I did the background. She wrote and drew. So we did uh, New Kids on the Block comic books. Oh, wow. Yep, uh, which none of my friends would buy. Well, uh, of course not. Yeah. No, they would buy they would buy an NWA comic book. Yeah, I don't even, I don't even know if Eric bought New Kids on the Block. <laughs> Sweet Sixteen. Um, and then we did. Uh, she did a graphic novel called Yuppies from Hell, and I helped do the backgrounds and stuff on the sequel. I think it was called like Sex Lives, and Mutual Funds of the Yuppies from Hell or some, mm, something. Nice, like that. I like that. But she taught me a lot of layout stuff and all that. And then... But did you go back into advertising? No, did never. You, you never went back into advertising? No, because wow, by that's then... that's fantastic. Yep. By then, um, um, I had taken my comic, so now my comic was called Mama's Boys, and I sent it to King Features. Syndicated. It's to, a syndicator. They syndicate, syndicate comic yeah. strips across the United States. All over the world. And all over the world. Right. King Features Syndicate. Right. So like your agent, kind of. They send it all over. So I... Um, I got a hand, a rejection letter, but a nice note from Jay Kennedy, who was like in charge of all that, and hey, it's not quite where it needs to be, 
but keep up the good work. So I, you know, I had been working with Barbara Slate for a few years. I was like, okay, I'm, I need to do something else. I go back down to the School of Visual Arts, the placement office, and I see King Features is looking for an intern. And it's the guy who wrote me that handwritten rejection letter. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And even though I was really too old to be an intern, I thought it would be a good foot in the door. So I applied for the job, and I got it. It's like one day a week, five hours, whatever. But I would meet all of the artists that would come in. We had Ray Billingsley, who did Curtis, Lee Falk, who did Phantom, Bud Blake, who did Tiger, Mort Walker, who did Beetle Bailey, mm -hmm. who recently passed away. He just away. passed, yes. Um, you know, we had Blondie. So there's some big names, you know. Like, um, so I was there when Mutz got syndicated by Patrick McDonald. Who went to SVA. Right. Yes. Yeah, he, um, I think he graduated right around the same time we did. Yep. I love Mutz. That's yep. one of my favorites. I love, yep. love, 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 love So Mutz. I was there when that got syndicated. So I went from intern to working three days a week to then going full-time. So my job was working in the comic art department, so I would have to fix stuff. So, like, if Dagwood had long pants on in one panel and his shorts in the other, I would have to fix it. Oh, so you, you know? were, like, doing continuity. Yeah. Or, like, fixing spelling errors. Um, I would have to reformat the Prince Valiant strip. And then when they learned I could write, I started writing body copy when they would have, like... Um, Introduce a new comic strip, like Eric's favorite strip, Mallard Fillmore. Uh, my headline was something like, you know, the most controversial bill ever to hit Washington. He's a duck. Mallard Fillmore was a comic in the 80s and 90s. I think it's still around. It might be still around. And uh, the protagonist is a Mallard duck. Yeah. A drake. Yeah. So most controversial bill. So I would write wow. those kind of things. Did, did you meet the guy that used to do Bloom County? That was my big favorite comic no, strip. No, I never. Too. Berkeley Breathed or something. Yeah, never met him. He wasn't a King Features no. guy. Okay. But then I would go to the Rubens, which is like the Oscars of cartooning, and I met Lynn Johnston and Charles Schultz. Oh my God, Lynn Johnston used to do for better or for worse. Yep. Yep, that was another one of my favorite comics. Yeah. She wrote the forward for my first Mama's Voice book. Oh, let's get to the books. Okay, so um, when did you start writing your own books? So um, I. Created Mama's Boys about a mom raising her two teenage sons they own the bookstore. So I get it syndicated weekly by King Features. And then I say, hey, you and know And when what? was this? What year was this? Like 92. Okay. So I say, hey, you know what? There are literally no books with black kids as this like regular kids that aren't like slaves or civil rights or being Yeah, the only comment I could or... think of was one that was called Jumpstart and that was in the very late 90s. Right, so Jumpstart. And Curtis. Yeah, so and Curtis. Jumpstart. And mine was different, but not different enough because, oh, we already have a black strip. Yeah. But I'm like, there are 10 talking cat strips, 10 talking dogs, 10 suburban families. Yeah. But they're like, oh, Mama's Boys is too close to Jumpstart. Yeah, it's like, like, it's, no, like it's, not. it's not like Highlander. They could be more than one. Yeah, but that was, a, it was always, I always joke with my friends. It was a Highlander. They can be only one. So I start sending out to all these publishers. Like, hey, you know, like this book. And rejection, rejection, rejection. And um, then all of a sudden, I get another one, and I open up, and rejection. But someone had taken the time to write a handwritten note at the bottom. Like, hey, this is encouraging. And it was something like, we're not interested in this good time style of humor. That's it. And I was like, good times? 
And I'm like, you, you know, mean like JJ Walker, like yeah, Dino Mike, yeah. and like Janae Jackson when yeah. she was like 11. So oh, in God. in this person's eye, they thought. They put that on the same as Good Times. It's all. Well, did they read the comic or did they just make that assessment? Just... I don't know. And so that's like if if you're writing, like what's a uh, a really well written, like say Modern Family, which I think is really well written, and they're like, oh, and you write that, and like we're not interested in this Hello Larry style of humor or this Gilligan's Island style. I'm like that has. They're so different. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know what? Um, no one will ever publish me if that's what they think. So I started my own publishing company. I published my first book, Mama's Boys as American and Sweet Potato Pie, in 1997. I always had a full-time job. I, I worked at King Features. And then after eight years, I left. I worked at Sports Illustrated for Kids, where I was their online producer. And I learned to do flash animation. And then one day I looked up. And my book was 10 years old. I was like, holy crap. I didn't realize it was 10 years old. So I did my second book, Mama's Boys Homeschooling, in 2007. Then I did my third book, Mama's Boys, The Big Picture, in 2011. So basically, you took something from every single job that you had, yes. gave you something to continue your arts path forward. Yes. So that's that's amazing. It's, finally, it's, it's, it's like the universe friggin' supported you the whole time and you didn't even know it. Yes. So, Do you still have your, your day job now or, no. or you're full-time? Oh, tell us about yes. that. So when when I, did you make the leap of faith? I because left that's the hardest thing. Sports Illustrated for Kids in 2007. And I've been working on my own ever since. And then in 2014, I get an email saying, hey, would you like to illustrate a book for us? And I looked and it was from Scholastic. Oh, cool. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, sure. So I illustrated... Um, He's taking out the book on the air. It's called The Zero Degree Zombie Zone. Yeah, written by Patrick Henry Bass. And with illustrations by Jerry Craft. I did this one. This is a self-published one. Ooh. And these are my sons as the co-authors. So. Jalen and Aaron Craft. And Jerry Crabb called The Offenders, Saving yep. the World While Serving Detention. Yes. Love it. That is amazing. So this is like five kids who are kind of school bullies. They get zapped. They get superpowers. But instead of looking cool like Black Panther or Deadpool or Spider-Man, they look like the kids that they pick on. So one kid gains like 50 pounds and she gets super thin. She's always calling kids mousy. She shrinks down the size of her mouse. He teases kids with braces so he gets these two big metallic buck wow. teeth. He gets super smart. He's Puerto Rican. He gets super smart. All right. Weapon representing. Yeah, African-American. Mm -mm. So now they have to try to save the school, but now they get teased. So wow. now you know it's like. So where do, you, where do your travels take you now today? These well, days? I got, so the big news. Okay. So now I've gone, ratcheted up a notch. I have an agent. Okay. Literary agent. A literary agent. And one day I was pitching a book. I pitched all these books and someone said, you know, the, the publishing company was like, so do you have anything else? And I had already said everything. And I was like, well, I was thinking of a graphic novel about loosely based on my life, you know, my childhood, as a African-American kid going to a predominantly white prestigious private school. And they were like, wow, that's great. So I have a graphic novel called New Kid coming out in January 2019 through HarperCollins. That is just fantastic. Yep. What a amazing, amazing trajectory and story. I'm, I'm like speechless, speechless on the air. Um, 
So where can people find out more about your fabulousness? Um, do you have a website? I do. So all my stuff is just my name. So Jerrycraft, J-E-R-R-Y-C-R-A-F-T dot yeah. net. Facebook, Jerrycraft. Instagram, Jerrycraft. Twitter. Jerrycraft. All right. So Jerrycraft, 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 and Jerrycraft. Yeah. So what do you about think is, it. what's the biggest change in the pro in, in the profession, the comics profession from 30 years ago to now, from when you graduated so to this now? Is, oh, you know I, what I, I know we I graduated 30 years ago, ideal. I forgot this. This is kind of like a big thing. Yeah, yeah. Since, you know. Um, so I'm one of the co-founders of the Schomburg's Black Comic Book Festival. Oh. So we've had, it started in 2012, and we just finished the sixth one, and we've had like 50,000 people. That's amazing. Is, is that held every year? Every year, Martin Luther King weekend. Wow. Okay, so the next one will be happening in 2019. Yep. Right when my wow. book comes out. <laughs> oh, so, wow. So we have a lot to look forward to yeah. from Jerry Craft. So we have thousands of people coming That's amazing. every year going well, through. Jerry, in a, when I when we closed our time together, I always ask this question of, of um, the person with whom I'm, I'm speaking. So, and I think you're really going to um, have fun answering this. Okay. So, Jerry, if you had one thing to say to the child sitting alone in the, their top floor tenement walk-up or their bedroom or just staring on, on a park bench that is 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 just boiling over wanting to create something that wants to be something more that dares to have the audacity to want to do something more than his family or society or the people around him are saying that he has a right to even want to attempt to do what would you tell that child okay so two things one is be patient because like when I do my cartooning classes sometimes um, I, I turn around and I'm thinking that I'm going to see the kids and they're smiling. And most of them are, but there's always one kid, who, like tears coming down because it's not perfect and he's bawling it up and he's just so, no, I can't. And I'm like, look, dude, I've taken pictures out the garbage can, flattened them, and then traced over in ink so they could see. Like, dude, this is really good. Give yourself. But, you know, like I always say, if I have kindergartners, I could say, all right, we're going to draw an elephant eating the ice cream, dunking the basketball, and they'll try it. By like third grade, fourth grade, I can't do it. I'm like, just draw a circle. I can't do it. Look, just fifth grade. Just draw a straight line. I need help. Sixth grade. Look, just write your name on the paper. I don't know what my name is. Like everything's, I can't, I can't, I can't. So I just really say, you can do it, but be patient. It's not going to be perfect now. But if I gave up from making comic books with Eric in sixth grade, I couldn't have done, I've done 36 books. No. 36 books. Yeah. That is freaking amazing. Wow. What's the second part that you were going to say besides be patient? You said oh, be pa and you can do it. And, and you keep, can do it. Yeah, keep practicing. Keep a little sketchbook or journal. But keep practicing and you will get better. Thank you so much for being on Fish Out of Agua, Jerry. You're welcome so much. Hug on the air! We Woo! always end with a hug on the air.
And we're back with Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. You just heard after Jerry Craft's interview a little bit of the Mr. Softy theme by Les Wass. Have no idea when that was written, but you heard that. You heard some thunder, and then you heard Sly and the Family Stone's Everybody is a Star, which was a single that came out in 1970. And I just wanted to let everybody know that all of Jerry Craft's books, I think, well, maybe not all of them, but a bunch of them are available at Word Up Bookstore, 2113 Amsterdam Avenue in Washington Heights in the corner of Amsterdam and 165th Street. And that's our show. You've been listening to Fish Out of Agua on Radio Free Brooklyn. A couple of announcements. We just want to let you know that Radio Free Brooklyn is a small nonprofit that exists primarily on donations from listeners. And all donations are tax-deductible to the fullest extent of the law. Please make your donation at RadioFreeBrooklyn.org forward slash donate and support living artists. And our last song, Before We Go, is also one that Jerry picked for this interview. It's also by Sly and the Family Stone. It's called Stand, and it was also a single from 1969. Okay, kids, stay tuned for Brooklyn Bandstand next, and we'll see you next week.
to make 